different face up here this morning. Um, all the other faces are in Africa, so. Um, but we're glad you're here this morning. We're glad to be, um, we counted the privilege to be able to stand before you this morning and, um, and bring a message, bring a word. Um, been praying about it for a while and, um, and just wanted to bring something to encourage you and, and uh, challenge you. I like to be challenged when I um, hear a message in church. I like to be challenged. Something that, that tries to push me out of my comfort zone and maybe to the next level. But um, um, I thought there was a scripture that came to my mind just a little bit ago while the, the praise team was um, singing. Um, As we draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh unto us. And um, that's my desire is to draw nigh unto God. And when we do that, he automatically draws nigh to us. It can't, it's a, it's a, like something like gravity, you know, we, something we can't help. And when we draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. So if you would, uh, say a prayer for me this morning. If you would, let's just stand as we, as we go before the Lord in prayer and say a prayer for me that, um, that everything that I say this morning is um, something that glorifies God. Fathers, we come before you. We just thank you for this day. We thank you for this day that we can come to your house and, and worship you. We thank you for this moment, Father, this privilege, Father, of standing before your people. We don't take it lightly, Father. And we thank you for your, all your love, your goodness. Ask you that every word that we speak this morning, Father, would glorify you in some way, shape, or form, or fashion. Reach hearts and touch people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wanted to title this message, Interruptions or Opportunities. Um, you know, God has a work. He has a purpose. He has an assignment for each one of us. And he has to just get us to cooperate with him sometimes. And he has to get us on board with his plan, with that plan that he has for our lives. And we just have to come to the realization that it's not just an interruption but it's an opportunity that God is wanting to offer to us. And I thought this morning, if I asked you to introduce yourself, you would probably say, well, I'm married or I'm not married. I have kids or I have uh, grandkids. You would tell me maybe where you worked at or um, tell me about where you go to church at or where you live. Um, those are the things that we live our lives as, as, and busy our lives with, our families and the things that we do. But um, that's about how it is when we introduce ourselves. Just a normal, routine type of um, introduction. Unless something comes along to change our story. And unless something comes along to interrupt our otherwise normal life. And, you know, some of the examples maybe would be maybe a phone call that interrupts your life. Or maybe it would be a moment in prayer and God speaks something to your heart that he hasn't spoken to your heart before. Uh, maybe it's a message in church that you hear that you just can't seem to get it off your mind. Uh, maybe you're reading your Bible and a scripture just jumps off the page at you. And you can't seem to get that off your mind. Maybe you're talking with a, a friend or a, a brother or sister, maybe even your pastor. And you say something that you don't even know why you said it. And maybe it could just be a still small voice but you know you hear it. That's the moments that God's trying to interrupt our lives with. And I want to look at some of the lives of the, some of the men and the women throughout the Bible that we're given examples of. For people like, uh, for instance, like Noah. How that his life was interrupted. He was living and 
with his family, and things just seemed to be a normal kind of life until God asked him to build an ark. You know, it hadn't even rained upon the face of the earth up until that time, but that ark became an ark of safety. That interruption to build an ark became a safety for Noah and his family. And what about um, Abraham? You know, Abraham was living with his father and his father's people, and they were building idols. But God wanted to separate him from the things that he had been encompassed with. And God told him to go to a place that I'll show you. Well, where is that at? You know, where is that place that I'll show you? But Abraham had enough faith in God, and he trusted God with that interruption in his life that he was willing to go and find that place that God wanted to take him to. What about Sarah? I thought about Sarah. Her life was interrupted. In Genesis 17, 17, it says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? you got a 90-year-old lady who's never had a child, and God promises them a child. Sarah, at 90 years old, experiences morning sickness for the first time in her life. You know, that's one of the first things that Debbie always, when she experienced that morning sickness, she might have had an inclination that she might be going to have a baby. But when that morning sickness came, she knew for sure the very instance that she got that morning sickness that I'm pregnant. But see, Sarah, at 90 years old, she had never experienced morning sickness. But she had morning sickness at 90 years old. And just a few weeks later, she felt something inside of her moving that God was trying to birth in her that she had never felt before at 90 years old. So this morning, as I bring this message, it doesn't matter how old you are. We have examples of elder. We have examples of young. We have David, and we have Samuel, and we have all the different examples that God's given us in his word that God came to interrupt their life. And I thought about Esther. You know, that's an interruption that any young lady would welcome. God asked her to become the queen in order to save the Hebrew people. About Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son of his father, and he lived in his father's house, and he had a coat of many colors, and things just seemed to be perfect for Joseph. When an interruption came and he was sold into slavery... But he ended up in Egypt in the second one in power in the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. See, God wanted to interrupt his life. Moses, some of the disciples, they were fishing. Actually, that was their trade. They was at work. They was doing exactly what they were doing every day in order to make a living. They were out fishing. And Jesus comes along and he interrupts their fishing. He interrupts their life. Mary, she was just a young girl, engaged to be married. You know, she probably had all these wedding plans going on, and we've been through, bless our hearts, we've been through three weddings. And, um, and you know, th- these girls, they have a lot of, we have sons, but the daughter-in-laws, they, they have all these things that they plan, and they have this going and that going, and, and we've been privileged to be a part of that. But, you know, Mary had all those plans going on whenever she heard the voice of God. She hadn't got married yet. But God interrupted her plans. And what about Jonah? 
Jonah's kind of the character that I wanted to, to bring out a little more fully today in the message. Um, his life was interrupted. His plans were changed. So much so that he refused to do what God was asking of him. Interruptions are not always pleasant. Interruptions are not always convenient. They don't always come at the time when we think they should come. Those interruptions are not always exactly the thing that we had in mind that we wanted God to tell us to do. It may not be what we want for our lives at the moment. And, but the same God who interrupted Abraham, the same God who interrupted Sarah, the same God who interrupted Moses, he wants to interrupt our life. And you know, I'll go back to that scripture, when we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh unto us. And I think as we draw nigh unto him, we're more likely to hear his voice when he speaks. Interruptions, interruptions can come with some challenges. We can see through all, all throughout the Bible, the examples that the Bible's given us, those interruptions can come with some challenges, some major challenges. Yet overcoming the challenges is exactly what put these people into a position for God to tell the story through them. You know, that's exactly the reason we like reading about David, because David was only a young boy with a sling and a stone, yet he was able to slay the giant. That's the reason we love to hear the story about Ruth. She came from Moab. Her people were idol worshipers, and they sacrificed their children and threw them over walls, and that's where she came from. But she overcome her past in order to go where God wanted to take her to. God interrupted her life. We love reading those stories, and those challenges that they overcame is exactly the reason why we love reading those stories. It makes those stories in the Bible so interesting. What if the most compelling story of your life could only be written with the ink of your last interruption? The most compelling story of your life, what if it could only be written with the ink of your last interruption? God wants to interrupt our lives. He wants to get us out of the routine. He wants to get us out of our comfort zone. It's an, is it an interruption this morning or is it an opportunity? That all lies within us and the way that we want to look at it. You know, in, it's been about 12, 13, four, about 14 years ago probably, 13. Um, I was in my office. We had a little car dealership over in London and and, you know, we were selling cars, and God was blessing us, and um, we were doing really good. And, and me and Debbie started praying for a, someone to, that, we could end, that we could sow into their ministry. You know, we were supporting the church, but we wanted to do a little bit more. We wanted to do a little bit extra. God was trying to plant the seed of missions in our heart. That's what he was trying to do. And, you know, one day I got a phone call, a busy, busy day. You know, you have so much to do, and I was wearing three or four hats but it was a busy day, and I got a phone call. And on the other end of the line was a friend of mine who worked for WYMT TV, and he sold advertising ads for the TV. And, um, you know, I, I kind of dreaded those calls because it required you to spend money. And there, there, it was kind of an interruption in your day because you're running along your routine day, and you're trying to get this done, you're trying to get that done, and the salesman calls. He wants to know, can I come by... But this time it was a different visit. He said, I got somebody I want you to meet. And I hesitated, and I looked at my watch, and I thought, I'm going to make an excuse. And then I thought, well, no, I'll go ahead. 
See, I didn't know that God, that's this interruption that God had that day was a divine appointment. So just in a little bit, he showed up through the back door or through the front door. And um, he has this big African guy with him. And they come into my office and they sat down and I still really wasn't all that entertained. But he started telling me his testimony. And he told me how that he was um, complete different witch doctors and all these things. But God had made himself real to him. And he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior and how that he and his wife were raising orphan kids. They had 14 at the time. They had 14 kids and they were raising these kids and the testimony was just overwhelming. I'd never heard about anybody. He said that he went to actually destroy a man. He went to, Because this man prayed for him, he went to kill him. But he said, I stood outside his window and as I heard him praying, he was praying for me. He said, and I was broken. What kind of a God can we serve that would cause us to pray for people who want to kill us? So he told me his testimony. And, you know, before he left my office that day, I went, went back to Debbie's office and I told her, I said, there's somebody you need to come and meet. I said, we've been praying for two years for God. I finally gave up on praying about it. I told Debbie, I said, God is going to have to bring somebody and set him in front of me before I know. And you know, while he was still sitting there, God spoke the words to me. I brought him and I set him in front of you. We've been partners in, in ministry for years now. And there's a lot of things that's, that's happened in those years. But what if I hadn't taken that call that day? And what if I hadn't let myself be? I didn't realize the moment that, that God was trying to bring forth in my life. See, divine interruption plus yielded submission equals eternal significance. We're at a crossroads. When an interruption comes, you know, God has a lot in his word to say about time. Time, the word, actually occurs 620 times in 563 verses. But God has a lot to say about time. And, you know, our time, our chronological time, we call it chronos time, is just, it's measured in minutes and seconds and days and hours. And that's just you getting up in the morning and you getting ready for work and you driving to work. That's your chronological, that's your chronos timeline. You do that every day. You come home in the afternoon and you get your supper and you get ready for bed a little bit later and you watch TV. That's your chronological timeline. But see... There's a kairos moment that God wants to make real in your life. And that's the moment in your chronos time that God intersects it. See, he wants to interrupt your timeline. He wants it to be off of the scale that you normally live your life. Divine interruption plus yielded submission equals eternal significance. We have to allow our lives to be interrupted. We fail to realize sometimes how important time is. You know, Jesus wouldn't let his family push him ahead of his time. Jesus wouldn't let his disciples hold him back from his time. He wouldn't even let the angry mob crucify before it was God's perfect time. He knew the importance of God's timing. And we should too. When interruptions come in our life, we should be looking 
for what God is trying to do in our lives. You know, we get so tore up about the interruptions and we think that things are falling apart, but if we could just look for what God is trying to do in our life at that moment, we continue to pray for God to do things on our timetable. And I don't think Jonah realized the seriousness of the situation that he found himself in. Maybe you have questions in the middle of this interruption. You say, is God asking too much of me? Has he ever asked you to forgive someone that you really didn't want to forgive? Because of an interruption that came because of that person? How has God brought you to the circumstances that you find yourself in today? We all find ourselves in circumstances. How has God brought us to that place? Does God really expect something positive to come out of what you're dealing with? Could anything be more unwanted or undesirable for you right now? If God did not have a plan, you're right, it'd be a mess. But God does have a plan, and he wants to accomplish something in our lives in the season that we're living in. There's all various ages here this morning, and we're all living in different seasons, but God wants to accomplish something in the season of life that we're living in. There's another way to look at it. We can count it a privilege to be a part of what God is trying to do in this world and in the lives of the people that we're around every day. There's several of those in the Bible that God called, and they were reluctant to answer the call of God. They made excuses. You know, and some of the, maybe today the question, and I had this question for years, I think, what am I called to do? What is it that God, what God are you calling me to do? There's three ingredients that need to be in the factor of what God is calling you to do. First off, you have a circle of passion. What is the thing that you are deeply passionate about? What is it that gets your heart beating? What is it that emotionally excites you? What is it that motivates you? You can't manufacture passion. It's just there. And this praise team up here this morning, they're passionate about music. They love music. All you can do is discover it. Discover what is it that it ignites passion in me. What is it that causes me to rise earlier in the morning? We must find out what we're passionate about. Focus on that thing that God causes a fire to burn within you. That'll be your passion. The second ingredient is what is your gift? Now, I can be passionate about playing that keyboard, but if I don't have a gift to play that keyboard, I'm not going to be able to play that keyboard like Andre does. I have to be passionate about it, yet I still have to have the gifting about it. I may be passionate about singing, but if I don't have a gift like Shauna has, then I may not do a real good job up here trying to sing. See, there's passion and there's gifting, but there's a third ingredient. And it drives you. It's the link that drives the economic engine. Maybe you have a passion to play the guitar. You have a gifting to play the guitar, but you can't financially afford a guitar. What can you believe God to make provision for in your life? That passion and that gifting. What can you believe him for this morning that he'll provide that guitar 
that you're so passionate about and that God's given you such a gifting for, can you believe him for that guitar? Finances are always a factor. You know, we don't like to even talk about money, but it's a fact of life. When you go to the gas station and fill up your car, they want money. That's just part of it. But there's three together. Can you see right in the middle? There's a sweet spot right there. I've heard the boys always talk about the sweet spot on the ball bat and the sweet spot on the golf club and the sweet spot on... There's a sweet spot. And when you get the sweet spot, you got it. That's what God has called you to do and that's what you're going to be so successful in. It's going to be something, not in a competitive way. I'm not talking about competing. It's going to be something that you can do better than anybody else can do. Because God's gifted you for it. And he's given you the passion for it. And he's provided for you in it. A way that maybe he's not provided for someone else in it. He's given you that job to do. You know, but Jonah, he had so many Reasonable reasons for not wanting to do what God asked him to do. Moses had arguments. You know, that was my argument. I would get a, in an English class when I was in school, I would, get, I would take a C. I would do good all semester, but with the day I had to get up and do a speech, I would miss that day. So I would get a flunk. So I had an A plus the F would equal out to a C. I would, I'd be satisfied with the C just so I didn't have to get up because my knees would knock and my blood would all drain out of my head and um, but you know what? Sometimes with that passion, you, the gift is in you. You just have to discover the gift. Sometimes you have to work on that gift. Sometimes you have to develop that gift. And God will make the way for you to be able to do that. Sarah, she said, I'm too old. She laughed. Isaiah, you remember what Isaiah's reason was? He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. So clean up your talk. Go to work for God. Sometimes we just need to discover what God has already placed in our hearts. But Jonah, he not only refused, he went a different direction. Um, and here in the Bible is the introduction of Jonah. You know, I said a while ago, if you introduce yourself to someone, well, here's the introduction of Jonah in 2 Kings 14, 25. He said, he restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord of God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of the servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gath Heifer. It was a fairly clean, neat resume. It was fairly normal resume. We see Jonah's name. We see his religious background. We know who his father was, what town he came from, what his occupation was. In 1982, when I came to work down here at White Chevrolet, um, young boy, I was 20 years old, I think. But, um, you know, one of the first things that when them old men would sit down at my desk signing the papers on one of them new big Silverado trucks. They'd look across the desk at me, and they were serious. They said, who's your daddy, boy? <laughs> and I'd say, well, my dad is Paul Bray. they say, wild Paul Bray? The one that boat races boats and races cars. I said, no, there's two Paul Brays. I said, this is a different one. My dad's in Indiana. <laughs> but that's something they wanted to know. But see, we see right here in this introduction of Jonah, we know exactly who he was. His resume was fairly normal until God interrupted his life. Jonah 1, 1 and 2 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it for their wickedness, 
is come up before me. He said, go to Nineveh. If we could just understand Nineveh in order to understand Jonah's position. You know, because we wonder, why, does he, why did Jonah just not go? He was a prophet. He was a man of God. Why didn't he go? Nineveh was the province of Assyria. And the Assyrians had a reputation. They were terroristic people. They've been terroristic people for thousands of years. And one of the most common people that they liked to inflict terror on was the Israelite people. So see, here Jonah is, an Israelite, and you got these people. It'd be like, you know, Christians today going into the middle of Iraq. I mean, you know, God, I, know, I met a guy that God called him right in the middle of it. His 16-year-old daughter's driving a Hummer right through the battlefields. But that's where Jonah was at. He was saying, you know, I don't, I don't understand this. I, I don't even like these people. They don't like us. They terrorize my people. The last thing Jonah wanted to do was to take the word of the Lord to Nineveh. Jonah was just minding his own business. So did he have an interruption or did he have an opportunity? So Jonah goes on the run. Jonah 1 and 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And Jonah, he really felt like he had a reason for running. The Nineveh, he was, first off, Jonah was a patriot. He was an Israelite. He loved Israel. He loved his people. But he rose up instead to flee to Tarshish. Sometimes the divine intervention of God means breaking commitment or faithfulness for what we love. Maybe it's a goal that you've been holding on to. Maybe it requires you to turn loose of something you've been looking forward to for years. Maybe it's a professional ambition. Where does your commitment lie this morning? Will you go with God when he's calling you to Nineveh? Even if Nineveh goes against everything you wanted to be doing right now. It's not going to be easy whichever way you choose. But another reason that Jonah had for running was more about logic. You know, Nineveh was um, about 500 miles from where Jonah was in Jerusalem. It's actually in the location of where Mosul, Iraq is today. It was probably a journey that he would never return from in his life. Back then, if you travel 500 miles, you know, we'd travel 500 miles, we'd be back tomorrow. But in that time and day, he probably would have had to sell every one of his earthly possessions to make a 500-mile trip. It was giving up everything. So he fled from the presence of the Lord. And you know, that presence of the Lord has a special meaning here. The Hebrew word there used is meliphany. It refers to a person coming out of the audience of a king. So see, when we run and go in a different direction from the presence of the Lord, he fled from the presence of the Lord. See, in the presence of the Lord, that's where peace is. That's where joy is. That's where our protection is, our healing, our provision our satisfaction. That's where those things are at. That's where we find them. We're not going to find them anywhere else in this world except in the middle of God's will. Jonah wasn't just running from the word of the Lord. He was trying to escape a face-to-face encounter. We sometimes, we just don't want to look God in the eye. We'd rather run the other direction. You know, I said Nineveh was um, 500 miles from where Jonah was at in, in Jerusalem. Listen where Tarshish was. He was going to Tarshish. Said according to Bible scholars, it was a colony off the coast of Spain. It was the furthest limit of the Western world as known to Hebrews. Tarshish was 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. See, sometimes we want to avoid what God is asking of us so much that we'll go 
four times in the other direction before we'll even give an ear to listen to what God is asking of our lives. But there was a rapid decline in Jonah's life. When he decided to go the opposite direction, Jonah 1 and 3 says, So he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What about the decisions that you make? What about the choices you make? Are they, are they really so critical? I mean, do we really have to take them that serious? The Bible says he went down to Joppa, and he went down from the hill country of Jerusalem, and he went down into the ship, and we see he went down, down, down. And, and you know, such is the life for those of us who make that first decision to resist what God has in mind for his divine interventions. God wants to interrupt our life. He wants to include us in what he's doing in this world, in the people's lives around us. But if we resist, you know, our life goes into a rapid decline because that peace leaves, first off. Have you ever lost your peace? That joy leaves. That satisfaction of life leaves because we're not in the middle of God's will when he's asked us, can I interrupt your life? Because he doesn't force it on us. God is sending a Kairos moment to our lives. Maybe he already has to yours. What will be your reaction? See, there's safety in obedience. We're safer in the middle of God's will than, than any other place we could ever be. You know, Andre, my mom, always, she said about going to Africa, she said, Oh, Lord, you sure you want to go over there? I don't know about flying on them planes. And she said, where about, you know, people think about Africa and they think about lions and, you know, tigers and bears. Um, but I told mom, I said, you know, mom, I'm probably safer in the middle of Africa than anywhere else I could be. I'm probably safer there. If that's where God wants me to be, I'm probably safer there than I am at home on my couch. So Jonah found that there's worse places you could be than Nineveh. You know, I'm afraid that's also what we'll find in our own lives. If we try to run from the direction that God wants us to go, that we'll find ourselves that our joy can be gone, our satisfaction, our peace, our love. Those things can disappear. We take it for granted sometimes. But Jonah 1, 4 through 5 says, The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likely to be broken. But Jonah was gone down in the side of the ship, and he lay there fast asleep. You know, I think sometimes if we keep going down, and we keep going down, and we keep going down in the opposite direction from what God is actually calling us to, I think we become lulled to sleep. All of a sudden, we become disconnected, and we forget where God was even taking us in the first place. Jonah might not have realized it, but there was a worse place that he could have been. Than Nineveh, or even in the middle of the storm, there was a worse place. Have you ever fled to Tarshish? Personally, have you ever fled to Tarshish? A place other than the direction that God was taking you. Have you ever decided that you'd had enough of what God was expecting from you? Now, God, I've just had enough. I can't do this no more. Have you ever decided to check out emotionally on your marriage or your children and what they needed from you? It does not keep you happy for long. That's because nothing fills the void of abandoned purpose. 
Nothing will fill the void of abandoned purpose. God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a destiny for your lives. And if you abandon that, there is nothing else going to fill that void. Then see, we have um, the storm is sent sometimes not to take our lives, but to return us to a more full state. Return our lives to a more full state. We can thank God for the storms. Jonah had rejected God's word to him. He was running in the opposite direction. But you know, we have a, such a good example of God's love, the Father's love. You know, if we have a child that goes in a wayward direction, do we stop loving them? You know, we still love them. We still pray for them. And if they come through that door, it's like the prodigal son. You know, we're shouting for joy, bring out the best robe, kill that fatted calf. It's, that's what the Father's love is about. That's how much he loves us. You're God's child. You're God's child this morning. He gets involved in your affairs because of his affection for you. If we'll listen and respond to God's love, we'll be able to see his correction differently than a curse to be endured. Instead, we'll see his correction turn into a blessing before he's finished. The sight of storm clouds in your life is not the sign that God has rejected you or abandoned you. That's the sign of God's love for you. The sign that God wants to do something in your life. He's still there. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. Hebrews 12 and 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. You're his child and he knows what's best for you. He knows you. He created you. And he created you with a purpose. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God had you in his mind. He already knew who you were, and he already knew what your plan, his plans for you were. He already knew what your destiny was before you were even created in your mother's womb. He knew you. He loved you. Are you listening? Do you hear God's Spirit raising questions deep within you? Is he making it clear to you that you're hiding from others and yourself? Don't ignore the Spirit's attempt to convict you. This stirring is the call of your father drawing you to a closer to him and to his will. Jonah 2 and 1 says, God pray, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. He wants to turn us back in the right direction. His desire for us is for us to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through each and every day in our lives. That should be our prayer every morning. The Holy Spirit, guide me through this day. Interrupt my life if you need to. Otherwise, I'm going to live my day just like I always do, and I'm going to give you the opportunity, though, and the permission to interrupt my life. Jonah 2 and 2 says, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. God heard him. God answered him. And there must have been an overwhelming peace that came over Jonah, that prophet. He wasn't alone. And the one he had been running from heard his cry. In the midst of his horrible circumstances, he, he turns his face to God and he cries out to God, knowing that God was his only rescue. Do we realize that today, that God is our only rescue? Do we realize that he is the only one that truly holds the answers to life? Do we realize today that God is the only one that truly holds that place of satisfaction in our lives, that joy, the peace that we need on a day-to-day -day basis? Isaiah 30 and 18 says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you 
and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. The Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. God doesn't just have grace. He is grace. He's not like us. We can have grace, but I said how often our grace runs out. You know, we have grace and we give people chance after chance, but so, after so long, we're, we're ready to give up on grace. Now, I've had enough. But that's not God. God is grace. He can't help but be gracious to us. And Jonah 2 and 10 says, The Lord spake to the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. But, you know, that's not the place that we can't just stop at agreeing with God that we took a wrong turn. We went in the wrong direction. Repentance is actually going in a different direction. Jonah now had to turn his heart from Tarshish Tarshish, and turn it toward Nineveh. So in closing today, I want you to listen to the words of Jonah's prayer. Jonah 2 and 3 through 6 says, For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me. But see, Jonah was changing courses. He was going in God's direction this time. He had a new plan. And his new plan was to fulfill the calling that God had placed on his life. Was to fulfill exactly what God was asking of him. The interruption at any cost. We value people and we value, and that's good, we should value people above everything else. But we value possessions and we value our schedules and we value our out in the distance goals. But you know, Jonah had come to a point now that he was saying, you know, God, I'm going to go in your direction. Even if it wasn't really what he felt like doing, even if he did not even like the people of Nineveh, he was going to go because God asked him to go. Jonah all of a sudden had a strong interest to go. But you know, God is a God of second chances. And I think we all know that this morning. He is a God of second chances. Jonah 3 and 1, it says, And the Lord came, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, and go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it that preaching that I will bid thee. So Jonah was again at a crossroads. We're at a crossroads today. Jonah rose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of God. God spoke for a second time. And when we've messed up, when we've rebelled, we still get another chance. So is it an interruption this morning or is it an opportunity? Without a vision, men and women will waste their lives away. But with clear vision, men and women of God are a force to be reckoned with. You know, the day that you were born, Satan put a target on your back. He's taken every opportunity he can to take shots at you in an effort to take your joy, to take your peace, to take your love for others, to even cause you to question your faith in God. 
to try even everything in his power to interfere with you reaching your God-given potential and your God-given purpose. And he'll provide, Satan will provide every excuse that you'll ever need to not do what God is asking you to do. But, but God's grace is greater. You know, that day that Joel Bukenya, the big African man, came to my office, when that telephone call came in, I didn't realize that was a Kairos moment. I thought it was an interruption, but actually it was an opportunity. And see, that's been 14 years ago, 13 years ago. And a lot has happened in those 15 years, 14 years. All four of my sons and my three daughter-in-laws have all been to Uganda. They've all been involved in ministry there. I now have four grandkids, and one of those grandkids, as you know, is from Uganda. See, I could have stayed right there doing what I was doing, not allowing, no interruptions to come into my life. But some things you can't buy with money. There's just some things that money can't buy. And one of those things is the satisfaction of believing with all your heart that maybe you answered God's call one time. We just really don't know what God is up to in our lives there. It's all about it's all about purpose. It's all about not only purpose for you, but purpose for your family. You know, the, the, our relationship with them um, in Uganda has developed into a ministry where we speak into the lives of pastors. We speak into the lives of church leaders and worship pastors and college students. And there's still so much work to do that there's no way. There's 24,000 churches in the fellowship that we work with. 24,000 churches. Now, some of these churches, are, you could sit... 20 times in here. They're very small. They'll house about 15 or 20 people. There's 24,000 churches. And you know, there's no way I could get all that work done in my lifetime, but I have a good idea who'll be finishing that work. Divine intervention plus yielded submission equals eternal significance. The altar's open this morning. And as we come... As we open the altar this morning, I want to ask you, what is the vision that God has placed in your heart? And what will your answer be to God's interruption in your life? How will you respond to his beck and call this morning? There's a passion that he's put in your heart. There's a gift that he's put in your life, whether you've discovered that gift yet or not. And you know, I believe God will make the provision for that calling that he's put in your life. The passion and the gifting, and I believe God is going to provide the provision for you to be able to do exactly what it is that God's called you to do. Opportunity is knocking, and we have to answer it. We have no guarantee that neglected opportunity will ever return. Jonah didn't have a guarantee of that. That might have been the end of the story for Jonah when the fish swallowed him, but it wasn't. But we have no guarantee that 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 neglected opportunity will ever turn to our lives. When we run in the opposite direction that God is calling us, we must go further. We just go further and further away from Him. It's not convenient. It may not be easy. It may not always be what we want to do. But God wants to interrupt our lives. And He wants to do something 
of eternal significance through us. Us. Can you imagine the God of heaven, the God of all creation, wanting to do something that's eternally significant through you and me? What a privilege. What an honor. The altar's open.